hard thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, and I think right. that was like, it, she still wasn't feeling well. So it was like, if she if she was, then it would have been yeah. different. But there you go. There we anyway. Now it's good talk. Good talk. Welcome, episode two twenty seven, Bournemouth, and our first ever Europa League game. Less said about it, but uh, no, I'm joking. But I'm not also that joking. Um, <laughs> welcome, welcome, Craig. Welcome, Robin. Adam is out today, uh, so it's just the three of us. How are you both? Yeah, very good. Very good. Much, much better after that last forty-five. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. But uh, yeah, very well. How are you? Uh, bad. I've had COVID <laughs> for like four days, and uh, as someone who was absolutely brutalised by long COVID the first time he had it. And feeling that resurgence coming back feels real bad. Um, but we're here, uh, so we'll have to just crack on um, and hopefully just resting a lot will help. Um, but, yeah, the uh, Zerbi's brightening of Albion does not help the heart rate whatsoever, does it? Um, <laughs> Europa League football, Thursday night. Let's talk about that first, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um how how were you feeling about that night as a whole um, from from you guys, uh, Robin? You obviously weren't able to make it either. No, I, I wasn't think. able to make it. No. What was the what was the the atmosphere like through the television presentation? Like, how was it? How was it watching a Europa League game from the Amex? That kind of weird, out of place. Yeah, it feeling. was really it was really bizarre. Um, obviously, you got the sort of you know you got all the, the sort of the, the added extras of the the sort of the fireworks. I'm going to call it you know the sort of the fire show, as it were, um, before kickoff. Seeing all the the Europa League kind of. Um, banners and uh and you know sort of advertising around it i'll be honest it, it sort of didn't really sink in it's a bit of well you're right it's a sort of a weird out-of-body experience atmosphere wise you could really feel it before kickoff and at the start it was really loud and then textbook albion punctured by an early goal and then i said on the group chat like it sounded pretty dead after the first goal went in um for a while um until the penalty really but yeah it was to be honest i'll be i'll put my hands up and go i was i was unbelievably arrogant about how thursday night was going to go before kickoff like i just didn't i a, a loss was sort of inconceivable i'd already kind of just chalked it up to a win which is really bizarre because i'm normally like i'm so well schooled in what we tend to do and how these things tend to go um, that it's like the one time I've ever let myself get caught up in it. Um, but yeah, it was it was textbook, absolutely textbook Albion. And you know, I say like I said in the chat, I'm, I've sort of mellowed a lot since. And it's you know, it it I just come back to it, it is in, in one sense glorious that we were able to display our back catalogue of just carnage on a on a global scale. It was just, you, in, a, in a sense, you shouldn't have expected anything different. I think a lot of it was just, there was a lot of anticipation, really. And I think it was more of a celebration before kickoff, right? That mm. this this was actually happening. And it, I don't know about a lot of people, I can't speak for a lot of people, but um, just when we did make the Europa League, it didn't really feel real until you start getting into the draw and you start seeing these... <laughs> black and orange images with Brighton on it and stuff like that. And it, it's very strange. So I guess a lot of it was 
um, I guess pre-game a lot of that celebration and anticipation of us doing well because it was like Robin said, sort of inconceivable to us that it it wouldn't go the way because it felt so good and it felt so surreal that it kind of needed that fairy tale first win. Um, but in a true blue and white fashion, uh, it absolutely doesn't happen. Um, and yeah, it just a, a number of normal, typical Brighton things happen during that game. Um, and it is what it is. Uh, I think ultimately we'll, we'll go through it a little bit more, but it's still got five games of the group stage to go. Yeah, I think ultimately we can probably sum up the entire Athens game with uh, this is what happens without Lewis Dunk um, in the Brighton side as it pertains to conceding those goals. First goal, uh, as you say, um, let's be fair, it was an absolute belter of a header, like outrageous, like suitable for the European stage if I've ever seen a goal, suitable for the European stage. Um, But I think you're right, Robin, the crowd after that, dead silent. Um, But it was quite interesting to see the Greeks go absolutely silent too as soon as we bagged our penalty it felt like they were like oh no like we know what comes next we know what this team did capable of um and they were in great voice whenever they were winning but it was interesting to see such a passionate and great like away following just go dead silent as soon as they conceded um so it's not just the Albion. it does make <laughs> me feel a little bit better about it uh when they're that mental and then as soon as they let in a goal they're just like quiet um but yeah that first goal great header um and i mean what a terrible start really like a set piece again this is going to be a problem isn't it under deserve with or without dunk but without dunk it was it was like a school day out there yeah it was i mean matoma it depends i mean matoma's obviously just not picked up the man but you could argue I'm not necessarily sure he'd make that much of a difference. Like the physical mismatch there, the the I, the AK player probably comes out on top. And if you can deliver a header like that, then you know, like as much as I'm sort of I'm sort of blaming Matoma for just not doing anything. At the same time, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure the result would have been hugely different if he had got involved. Oh yeah, this is a superb header, isn't it? I think. Yeah, there's just, just hold your hands up, just go. It's an absolute, and it's from my. It's just, I think it's, it's the fact, it's that combination of it's from miles out for a header, and the power, like it just, it, it just looked like it shouldn't have been a header. Like if you didn't see where, if you didn't see where the ball originated, and you just saw the power of it and it hit the back of the net, you're not getting that's a header. I mean, to be honest, he had enough space to take it down, take two touches, and probably put it yeah. in the top corner anyway. So, like, there's there's that too, where you know, as good as the header it was, he's completely free within the penalty box in a corner, and we can talk about our defending of set pieces until the cows come home. But it, it you know, it isn't good enough, um, regardless of how wondrous the header was. I still think you need to challenge that and at least put him off a little bit. Um, so, can I appreciate? how good the header was yes but am i <laughs> do i think our defending should be better at every single corner we defend also yes yeah it was not great um although we did get some fun refereeing uh clearly it's not <laughs> just the premier league that suffers from uh, a lack of quality referees um because it clearly can be worse because it's probably one of the worst refing performances i've ever witnessed uh at a brighton game and that, like, that is, that's saying something 
like league one league two levels of incapable like it was horrendous um and we we kind of should have seen the way it was going just in the first 10 15 minutes with some of the like outrageous decisions he was making uh but it was kind of the beginning of the crest of stupidity began with him booking Jal Pedro for a dive. Uh, I was very fortunate to be literally tunnel visioned onto that exact point where he was clipped. Um, and there was no doubt in anyone's mind from our angle that he was, the contact was there and it was a stonewall of penalties you're ever going to get. So when the yellow card came out, it was probably the most annoyed I've heard the North stand in a long time. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and when VAR intervened, it was like, okay, there's no, like everybody around me was just like, that's it. We've definitely got a pen because we all know what we saw this time. Like none of that biasness of the fans where you see like a 50, 50 ball go out for a goal kick or a corner and you will claim it anyway. Like it was the most obvious pen you've ever seen in your life. So for them to make him go over, watch it, give it and have to rescind the yellow was just wonderful. Um, and losing Alexis McAllister, I turned to to Brit on the night, like losing Alexis McAllister, there's a lot of reasons to be sad about him going, but the biggest one for me, and I, I said it on this pod too, was like, it's a stupid one, but like losing such a cool penalty taker. We had such an issue with penalties for years before Alexis decided he was going to be this like ice in his veins pen taker. And I thought, God, we've got rid of him. Like, he's gone. What is going to get? We're going to have another merry go round of idiots trying to take penalties. It looks to me like Jao Pedro is going to be the guy, isn't it? Because the first pen, absolute ice in his veins. Europa League, first ever game, both for him and for the team in front of the North Stand. What a finish. Like, what a, what a, what a pen. Yeah, agreed. I mean, he's another one. You're exactly right. I've had, even in early days of Alexis taking them, you have that feeling where it's like, it's almost a surprise if they score. That's the, that's where we were. And with Jao Pedro, it's the opposite now. Like, I am as convinced as you can be with a penalty whenever he steps up that he's putting in the back of the net. I I, I still need a little bit more. <laughs> I'm just going to be an absolute pedant. But like, yeah, I'm still, I think I'm so used to Alexis McAllister and it being such a sure thing um, that I, yeah, he needs a couple more before I can watch them. I'm I'm, I'm horrendous with watching penalties, honestly. Uh, I know love, people love them, but I, I have to turn away like the Zerbi does. No, I don't blame you. I've, it's, yeah, it's a horrible one. Um and within 10 minutes, uh, we were back behind from yet yeah, another set-piece disaster class right before half-time as well. Um, couldn't have come at a worse time. Um, and again, it's one that I don't think happens if it's marshaled by Lewis Dunn. I just don't think that there's that much chaos in the box uh, with a better, well-marshaled defence. Um, and we go in at half-time, 2-1 down, and you think, okay, like, Team talk is going to be needed here. I think you said it, Craig, like hairdryer treatment. Um, 70% possession we had in that first half. But frankly, they, I think we can all agree, Athens had the much better chances, didn't they? They were good. They were good. I, I think we, we said about in the chat as well, just being a little bit maybe starstruck by the occasion because it was like just there's just a little bit of nothingness happening. Like we had the ball, but we weren't really creating anything. Um, and then Athens had a 
an amazing game plan, obviously. Um, they're a good team. So, yeah, it was that first half was really frustrating. Just, yeah, all, all bark and no bite. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, like we said in the chat, I mean, they are our absolute kryptonite on paper, aren't they? Like, in terms of very physical centre-forward, a team that's very quick on the break, that defends very deep when they go in front and is very, very good from set pieces, both attacking and defending. I mean, those are like, you look at like West Ham, the only, you know, only Premier League defeat this year. It's an, you know, it's a, it's Everton whenever Dominic Calvert-Lewin is fit. You know, it fits the mould. Brentford when Ivan Tony's in them. It's the, that is it. If you are trying to beat us, then those are the four things you really need. Have a physical guy up top, be quick on the break, you know, get in front, you know, get a goal in front and then just defend really deep. And, you know, nine times out of 10, we will struggle to come back against that. Sean Dyche is winning trebles in Greece, isn't he? That's yeah, he is. <laughs> he absolutely is. Um, he really is. But I mean, I, I, it's difficult because I mean, I think I read their XG was like just over one for the game as a whole. Um, and yeah, I mean, that you're right. That, that second goal, chaos is the way to describe it. I mean, I think it's quite fortuitous that it ends up in the back of the net. Like I think there's a there's an element of luck in there, but we we did ourselves no favors, as you say, with just chaotic lack of organization. Um, and you're right, I'm with you, Josh. I think if Dunk is on the pitch, I don't think that. Well, you, you still might have the fortuitous event that ends up in the back of the net, but I I don't think the lack of organization is there, and potentially there's a different outcome. But yeah, I think it, there was an element of luck about it. I mean, that's it's quite normal when you miss your captain, right? It was just surely there's just, we, we talk about this spine of the team and, and having this very sort of these solid three or four players that play every game. And, and that's going to change this year. It has to change this year. Um, one of the people that, you know, you'll always look to on the team sheet is Lewis Dunk. And mm. I, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that the defence is a little a little less relaxed and a little less confident um, without the skipper in it. Um, we both come so accustomed gone, to him. I thought he would have gone for Webster, given the the level of experience. But then Igor's played quite a lot of European football. But it's a big ask yeah. that's come out for your full debut in the club's first European game. Um, is a bit of a baptism of fire. But having said that, I mean, I'm not really over Webster's performance against West Ham yet. So... Deserving probably, <laughs> probably. The well, there's same. A, there's there's the question, right? And that was one I wanted to bring up later on. But like, let's do it now, really. Um, Igor making his debut. I don't know about you, Craig, but like, I thought he was really good. Like, I thought he, he was, was good. so comfortable on the ball. I thought he was good. Yeah, I, there's this trepidation because we haven't seen him before, right? And so, like, there's naturally that hesitancy. But on the whole, I thought he was really good. I, I think the, the disjointedness comes from our just sheer ineptitude at set piece defending, right? And I, I think you're to a degree. I think what we're saying is is that Dunk is a little bit more assured in marshalling the rest of the defence and making sure that they're doing what they're doing as the captain. Um, it doesn't mean it's a poor reflection on Eagle whatsoever. I'm not. I'm not saying that Dunk should have been in for Eagle. I still thought Eagle was very good. Um, he's very calm. I like progressed the ball really well. Like just. I didn't have a, a bad thing to say about it. It's just those set pieces just ruin us. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's massive, ain't he, as well? Like he is massive. Just an small tank. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch with the amount of yellow cards that he gets. Like <laughs> that is there's gonna be I mean he had to make that tackle that he got the yellow card for in the second half. Like he has that's just the stereotypical take one for the team. He had to do that. But yeah, I think given a run of games, he's gonna there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of Shane Duffy about him. I'm getting those kind of Shane Duffy vibes. Um, but hopefully on a, you know, on a bit of a higher, higher level than that. But I think he's the sort of player that, yeah, there's going to be some crunching tackles, um, and there's probably going to be some moments of total madness that end up in a red card. But you know, can't wait. I mean, if if he can have half the career that Big Shane had as a Brighton player at this level we're now at, go like absolutely yeah. love that. Like I'm here for it all day, every day. Um, like he is if he starts in a palace game like that it's gonna be and he's wound up so you get the player that like he's he's the stereotypical like you can tell like if he was a wind-up toy you're gonna be winding him up and someone's just gonna be in his ear giving him the lowdown of what these games are like and it's just like finish winding him up and just push him out onto the pitch and that is going to end up in just potential for chaos and i'm absolutely here for it well, he's just, he's just going to snap someone in half, isn't he? Yeah, basically. I, 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 it's a shame I, that Zahar's gone because that's the kind of battle where he's just like, <laughs> he could just catapult Zahar like over the West End. But that's well, no, that's the problem. That's why you're glad that Zahar's gone because like we've had a few players like that and that's where Zahar gets off on it, right? Like He loves yeah. the hot-blooded stuff. It's when he came up against ice cold Veltman that like he totally meltdown. He didn't. Yeah, he's not bothered. <laughs> he didn't understand. Like he just like just ripped him apart mentally, physically, emotionally. Like he just and then and then Zaha promptly left the Premier League. Like it can't be a coincidence. Like Joel no, Veltman has bullied him out. Isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, back second penalty you. though, real quick. Second say, penalty. Do you agree? Second penalty as well. Yeah. It's a hundred percent a penalty. Like it's another one where I couldn't. Both of them looking at it first time on the TV without a replay. Go, go you just go. It's a penalty. Like it's no. right up the other other end for me. So like it's it's absolutely crap having to look at it from my end. But from the TV perspective, it sounds like because I had a couple of other friends watching it. It sounded to me like it was pretty cut and dry. Craig, do you think that was the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It's a horror show from the the centre back. Um, just letting it roll and just lost control of it. Uh, so, yeah, it's another penalty. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those mistakes that allows us back into the game. Um, again, we're we're talking about a good team, right? So we we kind of needed that extra penalty because I I didn't see where the goals were coming from otherwise. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, it, it's a it's a nailed on penalty. It's a mistake by the the defender, um, and and Jal Pedro gets his gets his second. It, it's quite simple, isn't it? Yeah, good pen as well, wasn't it? Again, um, another good penalty from from Pedro. Uh, it always it always worries me uh, a lot more when a keeper and a striker are going against each other for a second time for a pen. Mm. I've always feel a lot more trepidation. Do you two both feel that way or is that just like a thing in my own head? No, I do, 100%. And the the commentary mentioned it, in the UK commentary mentioned it, about the difficulty. They were saying, which way is he going to go? And Adam Virgo was actually on co-commentary for um, on t- whatever, what 
is it TNT, whatever BT is called these days? Do, sorry, like, Craig, do you get the same commentary in the US? Uh, I don't think so. So we're, okay. we're, I was just yeah. really curious if Adam yeah, Virgo was just, <laughs> just walling the airwaves of Chicago across Texas. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they were talking about. So Adam Virgo was was also was on it and like kind of giving his opinion of you know all I can think the only penalty I can think of Adam Virgo took was the shootout against Swindon where it basically just crept under the bar like he just got so far underneath it. So I was thinking, like, yeah, I'm not sure where you are in terms of being able to to give penalty advice but yeah his uh his opinion on that one he was like well just blast it down the middle for the second one that was basically what he said he would go for because it's like then it takes out because the keeper's kind of second guessing is like right is he going to go the same side whatever it is you're going to go the opposite side and i think what he's getting at is it's like down the middle although it's the most obvious option in terms of what the keeper's thinking is probably thinking he's not going to go down the middle but yeah, it was. It is. You're right, Josh. It, it's not just in your head. It exists in my head as well. Well, it's that sort of like, well, mind games, isn't it? I I think Jal Pedro just went the same side that that the keeper went the first penalty. So you know, one of the things you're taught is just make your mind up early and don't change it because that's when you miss, right? So just you pick a corner and put it in it. Um, he just seems to be very good at it. Like I say, he needs one or two more before I think it's a a rubber. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, then then you're talking it's two all right and you're going right let's let's kick on it's like you've got a fair amount of time left like let's let's go let's go and win the game but yeah. and we did kick on 81 percent possession 92 percent pass accuracy four shots three of them on target we just absolutely battered them for the next well 10 12 minutes yeah uh, until ezekiel ponce promptly hit us on the counter-attack in standard Sean Dyche Brexit ball fashion uh, and just did exactly what we were talking about, a, a totally mixed up, out of sorts defence all over the place. Had no idea who was tracking who, what man was whose. Tarek Lamptey massively outstrengthed by the by the player for the ball in. Both centre-halves had no idea where they were going. Like, it, everybody was just caught miles off guard, and it was just a simple finish, really, in the end. Um, Very lucky. And by that point, it was it's it. It's a lucky really, goal it? as well, though. Like, to yeah. come back, Steele makes a really good save. It's that Ward-Prowse one, isn't it? It's almost a carbon copy of it. But it's a, yes. It's, it's, re- it's another one. Like, I'm, I'm sort of not detracting from any of the errors, but two out of their three, like, on another night, two out of those three don't go in. So I'm not going to like, I think Stephen's probably, I think Stephen in the chat is probably right. He says, you know, when we go to Athens, it will probably end up being a 3-1 win to the Albion. And like, that wouldn't shock me at all. I'm not frightened by this team, even though they've just dicked us 3-2 in our own place in our very first game. Like, I still am not coming away from there going, oh man, we've got no chance at Athens. Like, No, like, as a whole, I'll be honest, as a whole, I didn't think, like, I didn't think they were especially good. Like as a team, like they were, they they got they were really good from set pieces, and they took their they took that counter attack very well. But like over the balance of ninety minutes, do I think they were good? Like, yeah, I, I didn't think they were amazing. I just think it was one of those ones where they executed certain situations really well. They took advantage of the fact that we were a little bit disorganized in defense because Dunk's not there. There's a little bit of luck. 
But yeah, it's not one of those ones where, you know, we've a really good team has rocked up and battered us 4-0. Like, it, that game is... Pl- I still think, like, eight, probably seven or eight times out of ten, you play that, that game and we win. That's just, but that's the experience coming in, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's, I agree. That's, that's just that's just Athens knowing the game and and knowing European football better than we yeah. do, and, and that's 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 absolutely normal considering that's our first ever European game. So, you know, they're a good team. I think the like we said at the start, I think the the general consensus was is that we should have enough to put this team away, and I, I still believe that. I think the majority of people do, um, but it's one of those, and and we we got completely West Hammed by. Um, you know the the champions of Greece, and it's okay. Like I, I, my my own thoughts and my own opinion is, we've got five more games to go. We still have to play them, uh, and I think to Josh's point, I think we'll do well against them away from home. Um, so who knows? But I think it's a it's a very steep learning curve this European football, and uh, we we will learn from it. Uh, and as we've seen from today as well, uh, we're quite good at bouncing back this year. And can we also like can I make the point again? I just never want to see James Milner at right back ever again. Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Like my I, my next point please. was going to be players that really weren't at the level that we hoped they would be. Uh, and the first name that was going to come out of my mouth was God love him, James Milner filling in at right back again. Um, we have Tarek Lamptey. We have Joel Veltman. We know both can play there. Like, please stop. Like. I don't know what the idea is behind this. Like, it's it's just bad. Like, when he came on, and I think it was against United that we talked about it, like, that's exactly what we want James Milner to do. Come on late at, like, left back, right back, centre mid, whatever. Come on late in a game that we have decent control over and see the game out yeah. with the experienced head of someone who's done it all before. If you're going to start him... Start him in the centre of midfield if you have to. Yeah. That's the only place you want to see him start for me. I don't want him anywhere near those fullback positions because he is just so slow and he's just dropped a beat. And like, that's okay, but like, it's just bad. Um, yeah, I'm not having it. It's not good. Um, I tell you who else I thought was off it or just never really got into it. And I think. It's going to be a controversial one, uh, but I heard some unbelievable hot takes at the end of the game that I can't wait to share as well about him once, I, once I've asked you about him. But uh, Craig, what did you think of Ansu Fati's full full debut? Bang average. I, I, I don't think he did that well at all. I don't think he did anything glaringly stupid, but um, you're, you're looking at a very hyped player, right? Um, with a very good pedigree already at the age of 20. So your expectations are probably quite high, um, but didn't do enough for me in that sort of 10 role. Uh, looked a little bit lightweight against the, an Athens team that was pressing really high and physically very strong. Um, and I think he just struggled against it. Um, we'll come on to, I guess, Bournemouth a little bit later, but I, I think against Athens, it just wasn't enough. Um, I think he got out muscled quite easily and was at a loss at what to do. Um, I think it's tough. I think it's very early to make a decision on him. Um, I think he's clearly, obviously, still learning the Deserby style. Um, I can see why they threw him in at this stage because obviously he's, you know, he's one of the few in the squad 
despite his age, with you know a decent number of European starts under his belt. I mean, isn't it like he's the Champions League's youngest ever goal scorer, isn't he? I think still. So I mean, I can absolutely see why you'd throw him in based on you know his level of experience. But yeah, I mean, he's still learning. He's still learning the style. Um, I thought he had various. He had a couple of situations where he stitched play together really well. He's always got his head up looking for, you know, looking for runners. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. In terms of a performance, it was very average, but so was basically everybody else other than Billy Gilmore. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be too upset about it. Um, and like you said, Craig, coming up today, I thought, you know, he was better today when he came on. I mean, I think he's going to get better and better as time goes on. But yeah, I'm certainly... Um, I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to be throwing him under the bus at this point. Yeah, I mean, he is. Uh, that some of the hot takes was overrated hype job. Should never have bothered with him, uh, and <laughs> and he shouldn't ever be starting in place. He'd, people, someone on the train said that they would rather have Danny Welbeck start every game than Ansu Fati after that. And uh, I like. I mean, just to be honest, that that person levels of punditry. Like you're not that person shouldn't be allowed out in public on their own, like to, to be able to find the trend. Like they should have someone with them at all times. Yeah, to it's, their level it's of, scary, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's that's scary, just bonkers. Frankly. Let's be honest. Like this is like uh, like we've said. You know, there are there are very very few teams in world football that play the style that we play. Like they just aren't. So, however good a player you are you're dropping him into this system where what he came on, he played 20 minutes against Man United, half an hour, maybe. And then he's in for the next game. And there's this expectation that because of his pedigree, he's going to come in and just, you know, immediately hit the ground running and go, it's just, there is no player that is going to come into that system. Despite, you know, but even if you come from a, from a system like Barcelona, where, you know, you are very comfortable on the ball, Etc. Etc. Like nobody is coming in and mastering this system straight away. I don't care who you are; it's just not going to happen. And people need to. And I, you know, just yes, he's got high profile and he's achieved a lot considering he's only twenty. But it's still he is still someone who's coming into a brand new system that virtually everybody else in the squad has been used to or getting used to for the last year. Um, so I think people just need to temper their expectations of him. And that's not to that's not because he doesn't have the ability, it's because you need to give him time to get used to the system. And that's the same as anybody else. Yeah, I think we'll see him grow from strength to strength, and we'll talk about a little bit of that growth uh from today's game as well. Um moving on to our group mates, uh Craig. Um how did you how did you enjoy the the news that Marseille and Ajax basically went to war against each other uh in the other in the <laughs> yeah. other games? Um and then just to follow it up as well, uh further reaction on the fact that anybody hoping to get a ticket to Ajax, best hope there's a stadium left to go back to. Um, because today's game uh at Ajax has been called off due to their own fans just destroying everything. They were three uh, nil down, I think, weren't three they? Three nil down to fire Nord. Um, there's some incredible scenes on Twitter if you want to go find it live, like as we're talking to the people that are watching this, like go go look at the shit that's going on in Amsterdam right now. Um we have drawn we have drawn two teams who are like you couldn't have got 
like there aren't many more mental teams that we could have gone that we could have gone i mean i was looking at some of the footage of marseille and amsterdam marseille and ix fans um and yeah i mean that that away trip in 10 days time is uh is beginning to look um i mean i'll be honest with you i'm flying in i land about four or five hours before kickoff and i'm out 10 a.m the next day and that already seems like it's going to be too much time in marseille it's wild. They, these two teams are nuts. So, like, one is sending death threats to their president and their manager, who is willing to quit, and the other one is abandoning their own games when they're when they when they're losing to the. It's mad, isn't it? But that, that is proper. Like, it's 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 just like it's the pinnacle of what we always think. Like, you know, have this vision of what like European football is like, and in your head, you're like, it's basically littered with examples like this. Actually, it's not. We just happen to have drawn the two teams where the stereotype is actually borne out. Yeah, um, the, the entire thing is in disarray. I, I, I think... Yeah, wild. Yeah. But yeah, them drawing, you know, them uh, on, a, on a kind of practical note, them actually drawing three all, them drawing is actually the only positive point from the other night. It doesn't leave us adrift. You know? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, all right, so on to Bournemouth then. Uh, there was a fair bit of expectation, I think, because uh, I think, as you said, Craig, we have we have a habit of bouncing back when we get beaten uh, under Deserby. I don't think we've ever lost two in a row under Deserby in league football after the first kind of post-Chelsea, basically. Cheers, Graham. Uh, I don't think we've ever lost two in a row since then. Um, obviously, he had a brutal start with with the games that he had. Uh, but after that, I think we've just rolled through teams if we lose. Um, and today uh, looked like it was going to be a bit of a change in the uh, in the agreed proceedings for the first 45 minutes. Uh, not the first 46, but the first 45. Didn't it? Um, lots of changes, nine changes uh, but from, from the Europa League side to the, to the Premier League side. Um, Deserby talked about desperately wanting depth uh, to be able to compete in all competitions. Well, this lineup that rolled out today um, was nine changes from the Europa League. It certainly looked like a competitive side, in my view, on paper. Mm. Um, obviously, Evan Ferguson, uh, probably not over whatever hit him Thursday, uh, given he was subbed off pretty sharpish at half time. I suspect he told the boss that he wasn't feeling as well as he thought he was, um, which can can do it to you. Um, but some something of note, Bonanote getting a start, uh, you know, a player that was almost quite adamant he wanted to go out on loan to get game time because he didn't think he was going to get any, uh, gets his first start. Um, and Verbruggen back in goal, and Dunk, who nobody really knew what was going to happen with him after being out on Thursday because they really kept it really quiet as to what was going on with him. Uh, was back in the starting lineup as well. Um, the assumption was that we were probably going to do pretty well here. Uh, and for the first 25 minutes, it almost felt like we had just carried on from the Athens game, uh, where we were trying the same stuff we usually do, but everything just felt a little bit off, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It just... yeah go on, I, and I think it's a European... I think you're right. I mean, it's comes back to what Craig said you know, when we talk about the Athens game, which is a lot of this comes by the nature of having to make a lot of changes. 
and we're going to have to do that you know virtually game in game out um whilst we're fighting on you know every front and you know that's something that is very new to us that number of wholesale changes every game i mean was it like seven changes between man united and the athens game then you've got nine changes today so if you think about that you've got all sorts of you're all sorts of combinations there that either haven't played together very much might not have played together at all haven't played together for a few weeks etc so again i'm kind of willing to forgive not not the rustiness but more the fact that things aren't quite going as smoothly as they might i think an awful lot of it is simply due to the number of changes and you know we have to be on board with the number of changes if we're going to you know compete in as many competitions as possible we just have to accept that that's going to happen and i come back it's similar to my answer for ansu fati which is it's going to get better and it's going to get easier to do the more the players get used to it and the more these different combinations play together it's not easy to do like you're we talked about the summer, just the the amount of depth that we have now. And we, we look at the bench and you see like seven or eight names that could easily start for us. And you're going, wow, what a, what a star studded bench. Like, how do we keep everyone happy? This is how we keep people happy by making six changes for European games, making nine changes back into the Premier League. Um, but they all need to be on the same wavelength. They need to be able to put a performance into the level that we're used to with a regular and consistent 11. Uh, you you make nine changes here, so like yeah, like two, two players stay from from three days ago, uh, and you're expecting that same high level of performance. And, and naturally, this stuff has to dip. Um, you know, something's got to give because you can't just be at that level Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, unless you make these very severe changes. Um, so today was like it was obviously expected. I didn't think I'd see nine, but I thought there'll be some rotation. Um, but yeah, and, and like Josh said, it, it felt like we just carried on from the, the 90th minute from Athens. It was just quite lethargic, really. Um, and we didn't really have a lot of answers or maybe the impetus that we needed to, to drive forward. Um, yeah, and, and credit to Bournemouth in that way as well, because I think their, their press in that first half was really good too. Steely knows how it feels, uh, and now so does Bart being the victim of Deserby's uh, adamant tactical style. Um, it was always going to happen. It is going to happen two or three times a season. We roll with it. We're fine with it. It happens. We know what we're sacrificing to do this. Deserby almost definitely had nothing bad to say to Bart at halftime. I'm sure he was like, continue doing what you're doing. I'd rather you concede like that than not do what I want you to do. Um, but he did fall victim uh, and we did concede a bit of a comedic goal uh, within the first 25 minutes from Dominic Solanke, of all players, of course. Uh, it feels like every player that's like a bit of like a hype job or like question marks around him always seems to like revive himself against us. Calvert-Lewin every year is like at a point where everyone's like, is he, is he a bit of a hype job? Like, is he just a bit shit? Patrick, every time. Uh, and Solanke enjoyed the same the same performance today. Um, and from then on, like all the way through that first half, really, it didn't get much better, did it? Like we dominated the ball, but like, again, like it seemed like if there was going to be a team that scored until that last like two or three minutes when we turned it on, 
it was a bit of a worrying day. It looked like Bournemouth were going to do us, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, it still, it was exactly that. It was the ideas were there, and it was just like it wasn't quite coming off for whatever reason. And you're right; it felt like it was hurtling towards one of those days where, you know, we could play for several weeks without scoring. Um, it was very like it's kind of sort of early days of Graham Potter vibes. I say not early days. I mean, pretty much Graham Potter vibes up until the last 12 to 15 games, Graham Potter vibes. Um, you know, we felt that kind of everything was, all the ingredients were there, um, but they were just being put together in the wrong order. So, yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was hurtling towards that. And you know, then we get, you know, like you say, we turned it on for the last couple of minutes and, you know, we get a bit of fortune, um, you know, with an own goal. I, I, I appreciated for Brogan channeling his inner Casper Ankergren as well in that first half. Um, that was that was something that I guess still still does have, but we don't see it as often. Where he just <laughs> stood on the ball for what felt like an hour. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you both. Like it's one of those sort of those things. You know, the Zerbi won't be too upset with it right? Um, it, it's how we play. It's part of what we do. Um, and sometimes those things happen. It is what it is. I think the fan reaction or maybe the, the stadium reaction was not as uh, not as nice as, as maybe uh, everyone else's was. Um, but you have to accept that those things happen. In, in order to bait this, this press and, and do what we do, uh, you have to take those risks. And, and sometimes it, it doesn't work. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, as we can see today, it, it's perfectly okay um, because we're averaging three goals a game. So it's um, it is what it is. But that first half, yeah, left me well. I I just sort of longing for some actual attacking options. It just it felt like the the one thing in that first half was fizzing unplayable balls into Ferguson and hoping that somehow he has glue on his right foot because it, it just seemed an utterly impossible task to someone that a might still be ill and b. Um, it's just trying to field unplayable balls in that respect and trying to play it off around the corner when it's being pelted at him at like 50 miles an hour. I just felt like it was a it was a tough day for him and I guess, yeah, logged off at half time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said, I mean, you just posted it in the chat, Craig. Deserby was not a happy boy today. Um, and you just mentioned the word lucky a few times uh, and he's he's mentioned it too. He's he's happy because we're happy for the result. But today we played one of the worst games of his time here. I mean, that's <laughs> as damning as it gets, isn't it? Uh, two, three, or four times we were lucky, um, and we were uh, that that own goal to round off the first half that essentially provided us with a clean slate uh, was very fortunate, wasn't it? Um, because I wouldn't say we deserve to go in at halftime one-one. No, no, definitely not. Um, but you know, it's nice. You know, we've had plenty of we've had plenty of games where we haven't had the luck go for us. So it's nice. You know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna complain when when we get a bit of fortune um, swinging back. You know, we've had plenty of games where you know we've been hit on the count. You know, we've dominated teams and we've been hit on the counter attack. And you go, well, there's no justice in that. So. You then, on the flip side of that, you have to accept. You know, you have to grace. You have to gratefully hoover up the slices of luck when they come your way. 
yeah, didn't deserve it whatsoever. Um, but, you know, the more chances you make and sort of those bits and pieces, sometimes you, could, you do get that slice of fortune. It's gone enough <laughs> against us um, that we're, we're probably due one or two from, from the bank. So going in at half time and it's a completely different game now, right? You just watched 45 minutes of us not doing anything really. Um, but at the same time, Bournemouth were creating, but nothing too crazy. We kind of just gave them a goal as well. So it kind of evened itself out in the first half. So you're then right. Second half, we have to change something. Has to change. Um, and we saw that. And you know, yeah. I was going to say, the good thing is, is that, you know, we've talked about, go in fact that, you know, when we go behind, we find it very difficult to win. I mean, we've, we've literally seen that, you know, three days ago against Athens. So the nicest thing about today is, you know, coming back and proving that wrong almost immediately. You talk about, yeah. you know, we, we tend to come back, you know, like when we lose under Zerbi, we tend to, you know, we tend to then come on strong the next game. Obviously, we've done that today. Well, the result, we've done that today. And we've managed to, you know, reverse the circumstances that happened the other night. So from that perspective, it's very satisfying. Yeah. Um, and to say Deserby's pissed off is probably a bit of an understatement. Um, I mean, that's a pretty damning statement himself. One of the worst games he's ever managed for us uh, after winning 3-1 is something. Um, and yet you can probably say it's thanks to Deserby himself uh, that we got the result we did. Um, we're, we've given him a bit of stick once or twice when he has basically put together a bit of a tactical disaster class when it comes to starting formations or lineups or substitutions. Uh, and today's were outright game winning, um, like within seconds game winning, uh, because I hadn't even got into the living room again, like before that goal was in. Uh, Mitoma and Fatty on a sick Evan Ferguson off. I expect we probably won't see him until Villa. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against Villa, though, um, if Welbeck is going to lead the line probably against Chelsea, which would be the right call in my view. Um, but Ferguson off, Boronote off, uh, and Fatty and Mitoma on. Not a terrible substitution duo <laughs> to come on at half-time, is it? And, no. I mean, like, if you'd have told me, like, three years ago that was going to be our, like, viable substitution duo like uh, three years ago like i would have thought you're an absolute crackhead like where is like where did you come from like where where are your meds like you need to go back and like figure something else out like do you need money like do you want me to get you some food a bed to sleep in tonight like you're mental um so for that to happen uh and then within 26 seconds i think it was Fatty to get the ball, knock it into Dahoud, who pops it out. Like, just a beautiful touch as well to Mitoma, who does have glue on his feet, it feels like, half the time, Greg. Just pops it into the far corner. Um, helped in by one of their centre-backs, I think, but it was going in either way. So I expect that goal to be kept on his record. Um, but what a start to the second half that was. Like, outrageous. Right in front of the North Stand, exactly how you want it to go. The atmosphere changes immediately. Um, and from then on, it felt like a very different game altogether, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It's kind of how you'd want the... It's sort of how you want us to be starting the first half. I mean, not necessarily with a goal after, you know, 26 seconds, but... Just you know, every half then, really. Yeah, basically every half. You know, <laughs> it was 
that was kind of you go okay where's this team been you know for the last hundred and you know 30 minutes of football um but let's say you know it it will it will be fine it will be fine it showed immediately that you know it's still there you know for anyone thinking having a bit of a wobble you know it'll be fine it's still it's still all in the locker it's going to come out yeah wild substitutions to make right and you've already got a dinger on the on the field as well like and you then bring on Matoma and, and Fatty and makes an instant impact. And I think the longer the longer that game would have stayed one or the harder we would have found it. Um, and I think it just made things so much well nicer. I wouldn't say easier, but it, it made things a lot nicer for us, knowing that you know you've got that goal early doors and that's what we wanted. And then you can dictate the game from here. I think one of the things that we're always worried about going down a goal is the fact that the whole tempo of the game changes is that you then have to you can't bait anymore because they don't want to you you kind of have to push and, and break through that that block that they do have so being able to go up and then get them to chase is exactly what we want and and i think that's why for brighton the first goal or being a goal up is so clear as to what the result is going to be um and, and i know there's sometimes where we've considered a late equaliser it is what it is but under the Zerbi, I feel a lot more assured when we're a goal up um and and when we're able to to dictate the tempo and dictate the play of the game and and what we want to do and, and shift people where they where we want them to be uh and and just in that in that respect so getting that goal early doors 17 seconds in or whatever the Jeff it was like in the second half you then go right I feel a hundred times better because I know that most of the time this is what's going to happen uh, and and that's where the Zerbi's at its finest yeah, our system it's crazy, is, isn't it? Built, it's built for being one nil up, isn't it? Like, if we could start every game one nil up, then we would very rarely lose. I know that sounds slightly daft, but you know what I mean. Like, our system is, you know, our system is built for being one nil up and having teams needing to come out, as you say, Craig, be able to bait the press because they they need to come out to us. So it's either you get teams like that, and that's. I think that's why we have such a good record against the traditional top six because they are the teams who will almost straight away going, okay, you know, we're better than these. We're going to come out and we're going to go for them. And that's when we sit there, bait the press and, you know, away we go. So I think that's why we've got such a good record against them. And then it happens when, you know, the lesser teams, you know, when, when we're a goal in front need to come and do the same thing. So yeah, it was nice. And I think, you know, that, that Bournemouth at home last season was quite frustrating, wasn't it? I mean, Matoma got the winner quite late on, I think, didn't he, in that game? But, you, but you're right. If if that goes on, if one, if we stay 1-1 for the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the second half, then you very much think this could go, the, you know, this could go the same way with us knocking on the door and either not being able to get a winner or conceding something on the break. So, yeah, I mean, it's perfect to get the goal then. It's a far cry though, isn't it? Like you say, like from the Hewton and Potter days where like you almost like dread going and call up because you're just like waiting for the inevitable equaliser. I, I we... definitely, definitely did under Potter. Yeah. Like it yeah. always, it always felt like that four minutes after we scored was just a, a barrage. And yeah. Yeah. You need to I'm keep not, it nil nil until literally the last conceivable yeah. second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, because we sure as hell ain't scoring more than one. Like, yeah. Exactly. Right. Like, uh, like, it's yeah, it's crazy. Um, but kept it under control at that point. 
A couple of substitutions were made. Jao Pedro came on for Danny Welbeck, thought he played really well. Um, and in the moment, I think everyone was very curious about, given the, the incredibly tepid responses we've had since signing him in terms of he's a baby, we need to really slowly bleed him in. Like he, we probably won't see him for quite a while, all this sort of stuff. Uh, the debut of Carlos Baleba came on for Mahoud Dahoud. Uh, and it was a bit of physical presence that we really needed in the middle of the park at that point in the game. Um, and he certainly looked the part, very big, strong looking individual. But what he was going to offer was who knows, right? Like he's a 19 year old kid that's made like 12. 18 stars in league one like whatever it is um and uh well i think it was about two minutes into his debut uh he was responsible for a double tackle that directly led to the third goal uh this kid looks as calm and composed as one would ever imagine um any like just outrageous like what like what unbelievable debut for for Carlos Baleba no like yeah. I can't ima- I can't imagine that he will be as slow bled into the team as Deserbi is hinted at after that eighteen minutes of football that we just watched uh, because that kid looked as composed as it gets like Bissouma and Caicedo esque like already oh yeah hundred percent and you know that is. You know, it seems mad given the fact that we've won what four out of five or five out of six games, whatever it is in the Premier League. Um, that despite doing that well, it is you know the Kaisido, the missing Kaisido piece in the jigsaw is, you know, is, was clearly still there. Um, so to see him come out and you say demonstrate attributes of both Basuma and Kaisido pretty quickly, um, I'm with you. He's going to be, he is going to be into the team pretty quickly and you know it's early days but on paper the idea of a, a Gilmore and Belaber partnership in central midfield um, has the potential to tick so many boxes oh it's wild I, it, he's he's 19 right he looked twice the size of every other player on the on the tv i have no <laughs> like no idea why but like guys clearly built different right um but yeah it, you couldn't ask for more from a, a i say a, a cameo right he got 15 20 minutes but like just that combative style defensive midfielder that brings that physicality um and, and just changes the way that that double pivot should work um do I think there's a tiny bit of chaos in there? Yeah, but that's probably a good thing as well, right? Just, um, you know, him charging down the keeper and the two centre-backs as as one of the defensive mids, like, that's... <laughs> I'm all for it as well. Yeah, we're here um, for that. But, yeah, so it, it, he looks the part, right? You also have to bear in mind we did pay quite a lot of money for him, right? And, and it, it, it's sort of... This isn't, this isn't one of those bring him in, develop him, and... Uh, sort of eventually sell him on for a world record fee, which might still happen, right? This is, we've spent 23 million pounds and he needs to make a difference pretty quickly. Um, so that's that's sort of where my brain is at, is that obviously he needs to come in and know the system and learn the system, but I think he's going to pick it up pretty damn quick. Um, and I think there's a lot of evidence there today already. Yeah, and the man on the score sheet again. Uh, no. I don't think he will. Do you? Uh, Grace, Grace and Dahoud for me. Yeah, it's difficult. Like 
it'll be interesting. I mean, he's got we've got the potential for an immediate comparison if Casido's playing for Chelsea. You've got the potential to see them up against each other straight away. Imagine um, if he snaps him. Can uh, you imagine both ankles? <laughs> yeah. Um, or or the or Caicedo does the reverse and is immediately, you know, a bigger <laughs> villain than he is. But no, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, it is on paper, you think it is the game. You know, is the get if you're gonna give him a start over the next few games, this is probably the one that you do it in. Are you gonna throw him in for a first start away at Villa? Probably not. Are you gonna do it away at Marseille? Probably not. So if you're gonna get him in, if we're following the logic of we think he's gonna be bled into the team faster, for me the Chelsea game is the obvious one where you put him in. Yeah, no, I get that logic, hundred percent. Like, I think, I think if you're gonna start your Milners, your Welbecks, your Lalanas, then I think it's a great opportunity to start your Belabers, your Bonanote again. Like, I think that's where you play those players. Like, maybe you're a Dingra again, like just to keep him going. Like, because I don't think he'll be playing on Saturday against Villa with Solly back. Like, I think that's where you allow those players in and. Coincidentally, it also gives players like Pascal Gross a much needed rest, right? Like he then gets what is essentially like 10 days off um, between the Europa League and Villa, which is probably sorely needed for the international break kids as well. Um, so I, I would look, I would personally love to see him start. I would love to see that midfield of like a Milner, Lalana, Baleba midfield group, like Lalana in the 10 and Milner and Baleba next to each other and just allow him to be coached through the game and like if he fucks up like okay that, that's all right like we're all right like it's just a shitty cup game anyway like it doesn't matter this team is like a 1.3 billion pound team like if it doesn't matter like it will be okay if we beat them they are like the laughing stock of the entire like football pyramid anyway so like it's a win situation it is like as a, a, as a side point they were dreadful today dreadful like that's no, another like I haven't seen it. anything of it, but I did enjoy the result. I had it on, I say I had it on um as sort of flicking between both, and they say they could have played like they just could have played for weeks without scoring. Like just dreadful. And actually look I was looking at the thinking, what kind of team are they gonna put out on Tuesday? And then I look at the number of or Wednesday, you know, I look at the number of injuries they've got and I look at the bench that they put out today. And I don't, I genuinely don't know for a team that spent a billion pounds, I don't know what sort of team they're going to put out on Wednesday. I think they're going to have to put out a pretty strong team just because they haven't got, they haven't got many other options, which considering they've signed basically everybody and they've spent a billion pounds doing it is wild. Well, they're, they're, they're a shit show at the moment, aren't they? They are, but I, yeah. th- I think but you, you go there on Wednesday and you play a team that you want to beat them and, and probably beat them quite convincingly if they're going to put out something half fast. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, back to, I guess today, I think the, the only other bit I had was just like, I, I don't know how Matoma keeps scoring these headed goals, but it, it's just something in his locker that is so underappreciated or I'm sure it's appreciated by now, but I don't think as much um, that he's able to slip between two centre backs um, and nod home 
multiple goals <laughs> with his head alongside being one of the best wingers in the league slash in the world. Um, the fact that he has that in his locker as well, it's a special player. It really is. Like if, if he's not on the wing putting the cross in, he's in the middle nodding them home. It, it's wild to me that someone can make such a difference to a game like he did today. I, th- I thought he was incredible. I thought yeah. that he probably had one of his worst ever games for us against Athens as well. I think, yeah, I, was he, exactly I think he that. needed. I think he needed today. Um, and my God, how much did he deliver? And I'm sure mentally in his own head, he knows what that performance was like on Thursday. Like he knows, like he's not an idiot, right? Like he's a clearly a very smart individual. Like he knew what that result was like and what that performance felt like for him. So for him to come on. For 45 minutes and do what he did and i'm i'm 99.9 percent sure he will not be factoring in at stamford bridge on wednesday right like i can't imagine that we would be playing him um so he probably knew that he was going to get a week's rest after this 45 minutes of football and to bag twice and like you say craig like he just keeps scoring headers like <laughs> Like and it was a beauty as well uh, from his bestie Est opinion on the left hand side as well who really does have a nasty delivery as well doesn't he like we are such a better side with Est opinion in it when he's playing well <laughs> after his last couple um, but yeah I mean I think I was going to just the only other thing I had to touch on which is what um, what has been mentioned in the chat by Arctic Temper which is a great name. Um, was what I posted in our chat immediately that the the team came out, which is Ferguson and Welbeck together, which is something we've dissected on a couple of occasions and come to the conclusion that it's a shit idea that doesn't work. Um, and today we had, you know, 45 minutes further evidence that it doesn't work and it should be booted into the bin as swiftly as humanly possible. Would you rather have James Milner starting at right back for the rest of the year or Welbeck and Ferguson starting up front for the rest of the year? Milner at right back. Ooh, that's we score, we're like, we, may, we may concede more, but not having those two up front, <laughs> we'll score more. So we'll probably, end up, we'll probably end up winning every game 4-3. No, I think I'll go the other way. I think Veltman at right back instead of Milner. Um, the Ferguson-Welbeck thing can work. And this sounds really horrible. I just don't want to see Milner at right back. It it doesn't work for me. That's for ninety for ninety minutes, it. it doesn't work. That's my that's my caveat. For ninety minutes, it does not work. For him, for fifteen minutes to shore up a game at right back and see it out. That's exactly what we should be using James Milner for. Either that or coaching people through a defensive mid display. Right? If he's at right back for any more than seventy minutes, then it it's not great. Uh, and it's no reflection of the player. I just think he's 38 now and he shouldn't be playing 90 minutes against the left winger. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, but we ended the day with a win. We needed one after the European problem. Um, a lot of teams come away with a European hangover. Uh, it's not easy to go Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday and keep getting results, uh, especially when you get beat in the first one, right? Like it can throw the rhythm off horribly. Um, so for us to have now come back and won again, uh, and we are still the highest scorers in the Premier League, by the way. Um, and I think you, you posted the facts in the chat, 
Craig. I don't know if you wanted to share it as well with the the stat from Opta Joe. Oh yeah. Oh, hang on. Um, I think it was five wins out of six. Um, so I don't. I don't think and a non a media top like out of the top six has has done that for a good what fifteen nearly twenty years now. So um, you got six games we should have beat west ham so you know we're, we're we're sort of in this vicinity of five wins one loss that loss kind of hurt still as well so like this is the level that this team is playing at and you've gone and made nine changes here you go and make six changes at old trafford you go and do this and that and it's it's working right so that's one of my key takeaways from today was the first 20 minutes the first, first half an hour looked dull and really didn't help but we kind of got away with it and then we turned it and cranked the screw in the second half um that with nine changes and bringing on the people that we have on the bench is why we're doing so well um so first half aside and the athens thing aside which is a little bit of a starstruck and a, a little bit of a baptism of fire of european football what a start to the season yeah yeah outrageous start uh we are third in the league right now uh, we cannot be caught by anybody who is left to play because uh, I think it's only tonight's right. It's only the Newcastle, Newcastle game. Newcastle, Sheffield United, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I they're... think Sheffield United getting stuffed at the moment. Over this yeah, half time I... when we're recording this. What's the score? <laughs> uh, they're three 0 up at half time. Oh, Jesus! I had. I mean, as a very slight tangent, I thought Sheffield United were going to do all right <sighs> when they first got promoted. And then they started selling all of their players and signing no one, which seemed a really bizarre approach to the Premier League. But the, the Sanderberger one to Burnley tells you everything you need to know about Sheffield United. Yeah, exactly. That was it. Um, from a personal point of view, I am going to my first game of the season on Wednesday night at Stamford Bridge, which I'm looking forward to. Lovely. Um, yeah, it'll be good. It's a nice warm up for yeah Marseille away the week after that. And yeah, it's just typical, like I'm going, I've got to fly from Edinburgh to Marseille. So on the Wednesday, I've got to get from the northeast to Edinburgh. Um, and it's like the one day where they've announced a train strike. So I have to get, a, I've got to get a coach from, got a National Express coach from Newcastle to Edinburgh. It's fine. It's what we do. But yeah, it's just <laughs> the one day in the, in the coming months where they've organised, where they've arranged a train strike. So gross. Anyway. Yeah, I, I look uh, forward to, to Wednesday. As I say, I hope it was from a sort of selfish point of view that I hope they start Belabour just so I can just so I can sort of see him in the flesh just chopping Chelsea players down left, right and centre. Yeah, I was um I watched talking of the, the bottom three, I watched Burnley for the first time properly yesterday. Um and I've never felt more confident of murdering a team in my life before. This Burnley team, like, I'll go on record now. Like, Brighton are going to destroy them. Like, it is going to be bad for Burnley Football Club playing against us. They are, if Deserby could build a team that is picture perfect to him to take apart, and like, everyone will like Burnley things, Burnley podcasts are listening to this and clipping this shit. But like, they are, they are us but weighing off it compared like they are, we are going to rip them to shreds. Like it is going to be bad because they are built perfectly for us to tear them apart. And the so, irony yeah, is like, wait is until that, December. It's going to be bad. Like Burnley, like Burnley Mark one, right. Original Burnley is the opposite. 
Like, yeah, they are. <laughs> that's, that is the like a Burnley mark, like a Sean Dyche Burnley um, is falls into the kryptonite category without a doubt. But you know, let's see. I'm with you. In they're theory, they're us, but four years ago, and like yeah. that's bad. That's bad for us, for them. Like we're the sort of team. But I, I, I think I'll take that though. Yeah, it's such a such a weird sort of I guess it's a weird compliment for us and sort of brown nosing ourselves, right? But like it, it I think they'll take that and, and go right. We we they made a very good transition from being utter dice ball to a very possession based side. They managed to do it in a year and win the championship, and that's impressive. Yeah. That's they very have, I think they have to stay up this year, though. I think if they don't stay up this year, then. Do you I, then revert? I still, th- I, as we record this, they're bottom of the table with a minus nine goal difference. I, I still think out of the three promoted teams, they're the they're the ones that stay up, obviously. Um, but there's there's more to I've come from a, them. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a good question for you both, actually. But first of all, I do just want to say that uh, for the twenty three twenty four season, uh, together BHA is sponsored by Green King Sport, uh, where football is more than a game. Uh, Green King sports venues are showing every televised Albion fixture over the course of the season. So that means Aston Villa are away next week. Uh, So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream like I had to today, uh, (laughs) uh, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. Uh, Green King Sport have just recently launched their own Instagram page, uh, which we have uh, shouted out on our Instagram as well. Uh, they will be home to fan content, deals, competitions throughout the season. Uh, if you guys could drop them a follow, uh, you won't just be the first to know about all this, but you'll be helping out us as a podcast as well, uh, because every help that you give them means that we're able to give you fun stuff. Um, so that would be much appreciated. Uh, On to the fun question. Uh, Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley, all bottom of the league, both all of them on five games played. Uh, except, well, Sheffield United are about to hit six but get hit for six as well um all on one point i can't imagine sheffield united are going to change that anytime soon um which of the three are going to get their first win fellas who is going to be the first team of that three to get off their zero win record so far i'll give you a bit more context as well uh sheffield united's next three are west ham away fulham away manchester united at home uh, Luton's next three are Everton away, Burnley at home, and Tottenham at home. And Burnley's next three are Newcastle away, Luton away, and Chelsea at home. Yeah, Burn- Burnley win that Luton game. You think? Mm. Feels like they might get shit housed. Yeah, I think that. I think Burnley are going to get proper football managed by Luton. For those familiar with that kind of terminology. Which is that they'll end up with an XG of like three or four. They'll have about 25 shots on target and Luton will score from a set piece in second half stoppage time to win 1 0. So, yeah, I'm going Luton to win that Burnley game. You watch, it'll be a 0 0 draw with like no shots at all, flat out. Like 95% of the ball is in the middle third of possession. (laughs) Just nothing happens. Um, I, I will say, like, Every team, I think, coming out of in into their first season of a European campaign have a little bit of a worry, don't they, that will go the way of other good football teams that find themselves in a relegation scrap. We are incredibly blessed 
that this team's bottom group are so shocking this year that we have nothing to worry about. Like it's it's got to be the work. We said this last year, but like I think they've outdone themselves. Like it is a significantly worse crop of teams. Oh yeah, this year than last year even. Like the bottom three, as you say, essentially regressed as a team. Sheffield United and Luton. Luton weren't Premier League ready in the first place. They're just happy to be here. Sheffield United sold all their good players and Burnley are playing a style of football that is horrific to debut in the Premier League with. So like as a three, they're incredibly weak. Everton have like transitioned from bad club to hilariously bad club. Like, and there's teams around them as well that like haven't particularly improved at all either. Like, like well, Wolves haven't. I mean, we said Wolves have got rid of yeah, you know, three or four really good players and replaced them with yeah, you know, not very much. Bournemouth are playing some good stuff, but just like Burnley, like it's a horrible style for Areola to try and implement for a team that are right down there and similar to Potter at Brighton, right? Like it's going to work out eventually, but you've got to get a bit, a little bit of luck staying up that first year. Um, and there's no way that both are going to get lucky, right? One of them's going to get bit. It's, it's a bad bottom five or six teams in this premier league this year. And I mean, unironically, like genuinely Chelsea are in that conversation currently, because I have not seen a more cursed team in a long time. Like, have you like genuinely it's so funny? Like, uh, uh, just uh, I know they've got injury issues and stuff like that, but there's no excuse for over a billion pounds and still have five points from six games, uh, and just with with no European football either, right? They do. They've got no other competition to focus on right now, and they're still messing it up. A red card for Gusto today, whilst Reese James is not fit. Like, it's like what's going on? Like everything is going wrong. Um, couldn't happen to a nicer club. Only Burnley and Luton have scored less. And they've both got games in hand. I, yeah, it just everything that can go wrong is going wrong at the moment. Um, and let's hope we pile on the misery on Wednesday. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, fellas, anything else before we wrap? All right, sounds good. Well, uh, we've got Wednesday night, obviously, against Chelsea uh, in the Coconut Cup. Um, and then we have a very early kickoff uh, for you guys in the States. It's the brutal ones. I hated them so freaking much on the East Coast. Big shout out to you West Coasters getting up at like 4 a.m. to watch these bad boy games because um, it sucks enough getting up at like 7 on a Saturday uh, to watch them. Um, but we got Villa away uh, on the Saturday um, and we will be back sometime next weekend to talk about them both. Um, Robin would love to hear your verdict once you got there and, and had your had your day out at Stamford night out at Stamford Bridge. Um, and I will be at Villa. Are you at Villa? No, I, I had to uh, had to prioritise Marseille over Villa. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so we've got coverage uh, at the next three games, basically, uh, which is lovely. So we will uh, be back this time next week uh, for chat around the the cup and the league um and hey we we could be in for a crazy situation next weekend if we've we've we beat villa again um because i mean 
18 points from seven games is pretty nuts. Um, I mean, we're already pretty nuts. Uh, 15, 15 points from six games is just absurd. Um, so enjoy the ride, guys. Uh, like Robin said, like, don't worry. Like, we're going to be all right. There's never a point in time, even when we make stupid decisions like Bart did today, where I think the wheels are ever going to fall off. Like, at this point, like, I really don't. We could have lost today, and I still wouldn't feel that way. Like, it's crazy. Um, so we will see you next weekend. Uh, have a good week. Look out for yourselves. Be safe out there because COVID is running rampant, and I'm very sad. So have a good one. Francesco. <laughs>